You're listening to Work Human Radio. And here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Global Force. My name is Mike Wood. I am the social marketing manager here at Global Force, and I'm your host. And I'm joined, as always, by Sarah Payne. Sarah, say hi. Hey, Mike. And in studio, we have a special guest, Chris French, our VP of Customer Success. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. So, Sarah, what are we going to talk to Chris about today? So, today is all about the recognition science denier. Uh, So, Chris, can you tell us a little bit about your work turning the deniers into believers? So, what is a denier in the first place? Sure. I mean, I think the interesting thing for anybody who's been working in uh, recognition for the last five to ten years will have seen... Uh, probably hundreds, maybe more than, uh, maybe not, maybe not quite a thousand, but hundreds of data and studies on the proof that recognition creates uh, a more human workplace and has a positive impact on the workforce. And um, despite that, there are still some out there who like to be deniers in the face of all of that data and um, tend to focus on gaps in the research and focus on the fact that some of the measurements are a little softer, like employee engagement, et cetera. So what we've tried to do is to hit on all those points that typically the deniers um, focus on to debunk the uh, the, the idea that recognition has that impact and uh, fill those gaps so even that those s- deniers can't deny the fact that recognition has a huge impact. Now, it has a huge impact because it's more of an investment as opposed to a cost, but um, can, can you explain that notion a little bit? Think about um, something that is very efficient. Like if you have $100 to invest yourself and you take that money and you spend it on, let's say you're me, and spend it on chocolate or something like that, right? Well, um, it will for, certainly have a very good afternoon and probably a very bad next day, but, but the reality is it'll, it'll be gone, right? And I think if you are meant to invest that money in somewhere else, there is an expectation that it will grow. And if you don't invest it, then you will have missed the opportunity, right? Whereas if you think of it as a budget, like in recognition as a budget, and you underspend in that, you would think of that as a victory, right? But if the idea is that every dollar I put into that, I expect I am going to get a measurable return on something like reducing the probability of, a, of turnover in the organization, then you're going to want to invest the total amount and that anything less than that would obviously be a waste, and, uh, you know, I, so that's why we always encourage people to think of recognition as an investment because you should and can expect a return from it. If you invest more, you should expect a bigger return. If you invest less, you should expect a smaller return. And related to that, so we talk a lot about the myths, recognition myths, and um, what, what do you think about e-thanks? Because I think uh, a lot of people argue, well, we have recognition, we have a program, you know, we invest some. Um, but what does that say about the experience for the employees? Yeah, just so so I know, what, what is e-thanks? So it's recognition without any reward, any monetary reward tied to it. Okay. Yeah, so that's a great question. I think some people call it e-thanks. Some people call it, um, I would say erroneously call it social recognition. Um, the, the reality is, is that if, you know, whenever we have a conversation that says the more recognition 
that exists within an organization, the more you should expect a return. Obviously, people who don't want to spend any money at all will say, great, then I can just say thank you. And um, the science has shown us that absolutely, if you go, I think it's, it's fair to say that if you go from a culture that has nobody ever saying thank you for anything, and you go to a culture where people are at least saying thank you, that for a period of time, that's going to be better. I think the myth comes in that that will hold forever, right? That the reality is, and and the data shows us that that impact um, diminishes over time. And part of the reason for that is because um, the two factors. One is the general feeling from employees that cheaply given is cheaply cheaply gained. Uh, And the other is that there's no way to differentiate between different contributions. So imagine a a person who stays late on a weekend and helps get a project out. Absolutely, that person should be thanked. But should they be thanked the same exact way and with the same amount of giving from the organization as a person who worked six months on a project with 10 people in five different countries and saved the company $5 million, as an example. So over time, by having everything be, you know, the, the ability to um, differentiate between different levels of contribution, if you do not have that, then the value diminishes. So in year two and year three, probably I would say six to nine months in, you're going to start to see a diminishing return. And we're also seeing, unfortunately, that even programs that have monetary rewards and e-thanks, that if you have the e-thanks in there, it it diminishes the overall uh, part of the program if it becomes too much of the pie, so to speak. Yeah, because that's common sense. I mean, if I'm getting recognized for something and I know that the option is out there to give me some money and my manager or a colleague or whatever chooses not to, then I'm going to feel worse about that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing is that you hit on something that's very important there, Mike, which is that it's what they get from their colleagues. Like you don't have to give very much from a monetary value if it's coming from a colleague because it's always generally surprising, right? You kind of think if you're giving your all to an organization and you're getting something from your manager that makes sense because the organization is giving back to you and you're giving to the organization. But when you get it from peers, it feels more authentic and more genuine because you're in it together. That It creates those social connections. And so it doesn't have to be big amounts, but you do still have to have that differentiation, right? And I think if you have that and it's coming from your peers, that's, that's where we see huge results on the impact on things like turnover, that it's very, very clear in every single customer that we've looked at, as the number of times a person is recognized increases, the probability that they're going to leave the organization goes down. Now, is there, um, I mean, as we're, as we're moving towards making this investment in recognition and investing in our employees, is there a magic number that's out there that is like how much we, that, that you've seen, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time, that, that works the best? Yeah, so we we tend to talk about this as a minimum of one percent of payroll. That's that 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 should be. If you're not there, that's what you should be aiming for. And if you are there, then you should be measuring your return to understand that if I invested more, what would be my expected return? And the reason that we say that is because that is enough. Um, to create enough volume of recognition across the organization that it becomes self-sustaining. In other words, that people in the organization know that it's their responsibility to be looking for great behavior in others and, and recognizing them and reinforcing those great behaviors. Um, so if you invest 1%, then you'll have enough velocity of recognition to get these cultural gains that, that organizations are seeing. 
So uh, you've been doing a lot of work with the Work Human Research Institute and working with customers, analyzing their data, and then aligning it with recognition. So what's the best piece of data you've seen come out of this research with customers? Well, I think um, to, to answer that question, I'll tell you a very small part of the journey, which was the first thing that we did knowing that what we were trying to do is address recognition science desires is to pick something very hard like turnover. It's even recognition deniers can't deny the fact that a person either left the organization or they didn't. There's no gray area there, right? And that if, in, in theory, more recognition means less likely to leave, then we should be able to look at historical data and see did that, did that actually happen. So I think um, that's probably the most important piece of data that's come out because we've been able to demonstrate that at every single organization where we've looked at that data, we've looked at aggregate across all, all of our customers, the data, it's consistently true that as a person is recognized more, the probability that leave will go down. I would say um, the most important piece of research, though, I think in terms of how you can change the culture of an organization is because people see that, they're willing to invest. And when they invest, people are starting to look at things like if you're reinforcing the right behavior and people who are reinforced for the right behavior more often, when you measure their performance year over year, you should see an increase in performance. And I think that's probably the most exciting piece of research that's come out um, most recently is uh, looking at customer data and seeing that, in fact, people who are recognized more are more likely to score higher in their performance reviews the next year. I think there's all kinds of interesting, other interesting ways that people are, are using data. We'll probably talk about those in future um, podcasts. But if you think about changing the culture of the organization, I think that's the most important piece. If you're thinking about getting to those recognition science deniers, then that turnover data is pretty indisputable. Yeah, you can't argue with people leaving or not leaving the company. (laughs) So what other outcomes do you see um, yourself and and your your team um, exploring in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, whenever, when we first started on this journey, the way we thought about this was to measure recognition against Um, let's say, individual outcomes. So things like their individual's engagement scores or satisfaction scores against talent outcomes, things like turnover, performance management, uh, diversity, inclusion, uh, things like that, and then business outcomes. So let's say in a retail environment, same store sales. If people are recognized more in a particular store, should we see better operational outcomes or financial outcomes? I think, so... As we kind of look at those three realms, we're picking, you know, different customers have different priorities. So we're filling out the portfolio, I would say, within those sort of three realms. I think the things that it will come out next probably are um, correlating customer experience scores against recognition. And um, other than the talent outcomes I've already spoken spoken about, I think the diversity, diversity inclusion one is very interesting because... Um, we know that there are organizations using recognition activity. Once you invest 1% of recognition, um, you have that velocity that we talked about. And if you have that velocity that we talked about, then you can start to measure what the cultural actually is. So people are using recognition data as a proxy for what's actually happening in the culture. Now you can start to look at things like we gave um, inclusion training to employees 
did their recognition activities and the types of people that they recognize change materially afterwards. And that, you know, when you work with some of the biggest uh, organizations in the world and you have a sample that is 100,000 plus employees, now you have enough data to start to look at some of those things. And so that to me is some of the outcomes. Those are the exciting things. The other thing I would say we're working on with Sean Aker and LinkedIn are things like second degree of separation. So people who just saw that other people had a recognition, are those people more likely to give recognition? Are they more likely to have some of these other talent outcomes as well? And so uh, I would say that we're on a journey, Mike, and that um, we're just scratching the surface. Now, if the name Sean Aker rings a bell with you, um, he has been at the Work Human movement from the beginning. Um, he was at Work Human this past May, um, and who knows? Maybe we'll see him at Work Human next year in Austin, Texas, April third through fifth. Visit WorkHuman.com to find out more information. So uh, that's all we have today. Thank you, Chris. I want to thank you for um, for joining us today. Um, you are a wealth of information, as you always are. Um, Sarah, can you let people know where they can find out more information? information about um, some of the stuff Chris is doing and Global Force in general? Sure. Well, you can check out the blog at globalforce.com slash gfblog. Chris actually just wrote a guest post, and that's the first in a series on some of the work he's doing with customers. Great. So uh, thanks again, Chris, and uh, tune in next week for the next edition of Work Human Radio.